Hello and welcome to 10,000 Grains of Sand, a podcast discussing the films of director Bill Forsyth. I'm Anna Kale. I'm an arts and culture writer and I've been obsessed with the films of Bill Forsyth for some time. So this podcast series is a bit like a therapy session for me, sharing the joy with others. On this episode, I'll be discussing Gregory's Girl, Bill Forsyth's second film, released in 1981, and arguably his best love film. It is a coming-of-age film about teenage love in a Cumbernauld secondary school, and we follow the exploits of awkward Gregory as he sets his sights on Dorothy when she joins the school football team. And joining me to discuss the film today is PhD researcher in film at Sheffield Hallam, Lewis Kellett. Hi Lewis, how are you? Hi, Hannah. I'm not bad, thank you. How are you? Yeah, really good, thank you. So thank you for joining me on the podcast to discuss Gregory's Girl. So this is one of my favourite films and, you know, I'll probably get a little bit excitable as we as we talk <laughs> about it. But I understand this is the first time you'd seen the film? Yeah, yeah, it is. So, um, you know, please don't hate on me too much if I have some, you know, opinions about it. But I've got to say they're all good, if I'm honest. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> but I might get things a bit way off for a seasoned veteran like yourself. Oh, no, absolutely no. Um, so, obviously, it's first time watching Gregory's Girl. Have you seen any of Bill Forsyth's other films or is this the first one you've seen? Yeah, I've, I know of him. I've obviously been sort of in the you know film world as an academic, etc., um, and the only other film that I'm sort of relatively familiar with is um, Local Hero. And that's only because I know, I think Peter Capaldi's in it, am I right in saying? He is, yeah, he is. Yeah, so that's the only reason why I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with that, because I'm a Peter Capaldi fan. Okay. But I haven't seen any of his other work other than this. Oh, you really should listen to this podcast series then when it when it goes out. Um, <laughs> I definitely will. <laughs> so yeah, so Gregory's Girl, it's, um, it's a, a whimsical comedy... A film from from the period of you know late seventies early eighties. Obviously, we'll discuss it in more depth. But what was your initial opinion of it? You know what? I, I like I watched the trailer when you um, when we first spoke about doing this. I had seen the clip before. Do you know when he's he first sees Dorothy and he's saying she's absolutely gorgeous? I'd seen that <laughs> clip in the opening ceremony of the Olympics because they did like. Um, like a film and culture bit, didn't they? So they had like Cares and they had Billy Elliot and they had this as well. You know, all the yeah. films that make Britain, Britain. But yeah, no, the film itself, I really enjoyed it. All my research is to do with youth anyway in film, more to do with sort of like the social realist gritty stuff. So, but there were parallels, um, you know, and how youth are portrayed and stuff. So I did really like that aspect. Yeah, I, I did really like it, you know, because like I say, some of these films can be a bit, dated can't they mm. in terms of some of the representation with women um, and I thought that was going to be the case right at the start because it obviously opens with the scene where the boys are watching that nurse yeah. undress um, which is quite you know problematic in itself um, but then and that, that was my initial perception but obviously as you go through the film things change um, power balances shift and it's not what it seems at the start which I quite like yeah it's interesting yeah you talk about that scene and yeah we'll we'll we'll, we'll discuss that opening because it is an interesting one um so obviously you know you're, you're I'm assuming you're younger than me everyone seems to be younger than me these <laughs> days so I first saw this film when I was 11 I was, yeah I saw it at school so we had our um our drama teacher 
decided, you know, I went to like a normal secondary school, you know, in a kind of upper working class area. Um, he decided, you know, as, as first years that we, we needed to see Gregory's Girl and we needed to see Kez. So that's what he showed us. So one week it was Gregory's Girl, the next week it was Kez. And he wheeled the big telly in and, and you know, put a load of, you know, 11 year old and 12 year olds in front of the TV. And obviously that opening scene, you can imagine the reaction from the boys in the room. You know, it, it's... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's a very funny opening scene, and 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 in, that's something that runs through his work actually. The um, the kind of the use of kind of an opening scene pre credits, um, something yeah. a little bit whimsical, a little bit funny, um, and that that's kind of a, something that comes up in his work quite a lot. Um, but obviously, it's a great effect here because it just sets that that the tone and the you know you, you kind of into that um, into the film. And when watching it again, and I've watched it several times. Every time the music comes in at the beginning, I, I'm I'm kind of taken back to that time. Of well, watching I, it, I loved it. I've got to say, I love the music. It's great, isn't I it? Really yeah, did. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I loved it. It reminded me sort of like an American eighties talk show, sort of, you know, that type of saxophone music. But you, like, you say you're transported back, aren't you? It just takes you back to that time, that context, you know, that it was made, and like you say, reminiscing. I, I just loved it. Yeah, I thought it really, it really throws you back. Absolutely, and I think you know, I'm not unusual in in the fact that I saw it at the kind of age where films really stay with you so films you watch at that kind of age you, they 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 be they remain somewhere in your in your heart you know you kind of they're, they're, if you see them during your formative years so it's interesting obviously i bring that with me to this discussion you know that kind of um it reminds me of a time it reminds me of you know kind of a period in my life so it's interesting talking to you who's you know seen it as as an adult and you know kind of um, in a different context so it'll be interesting to see how it feels for you but it is obviously to look at it's very late 70s early 80s you know the the hair the clothes you know that that kind of thing but you know the themes within it for me are, are universal you know they're absolutely you know of any any time and any period you know that that, that feeling of being at school of young love and the, the you know the kind of themes that come out of it and I think it's a film yes you need to get used to the hairstyles but actually well, once, once you settle in you know it, it surely kids watching it today would, would would feel the same things and you know things haven't changed that much in 40 years no no I completely agree the the one of the things that I did take away from this was how well it captures that feeling of first love I was immediately transported back to my high school days mm -hmm. you know and the you know when you see a, you know a girl or, or you know or a male for instance but yeah when you see you know, when I saw a girl and they immediately captivate you and the, you think of nothing else. Um, and it, 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 I was immediately transported back to that time. And it was it was really bizarre because you start you're watching the film, but then you start reminiscing as well. And it was it was so interesting because I spoke to my partner's dad uh, the same day I watched this film. And he was really excited that I was doing this podcast because Gregory's Girl is one of his favorite films. Yeah. And I think it's for exactly the same reasons which you've stated in the beginning because he watched it when he was a, you know, when he was young, um, and he says he is Gregory. You know, maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe not some of the more seedier sides of Gregory. Yeah. But, you know, the awkward, the awkwardness, fitting in, but also kind of not fitting in. Yeah. Um, because there's a bit of in betweenness to that, you know, and I quite, I quite like that. But yeah, it's, it does. I think it captures youth very well because you do get some films that just miss the point you know that can just miss that overshoot the youth element either through the casting or they dramatize maybe some more of the insignificant things that happen you know in youth culture but 
I think Gregory's girl does capture it very well. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd really agree with that. And yeah, the awkwardness of it. You know, I was quite an awkward teenager, and it. You know, I, I get. I feel that there are many different characters as well. I think one of the things I really enjoy about the film is that yes, Gregory is the the central character, but there's an ensemble feel to it. You know, there's a a group of kids on that screen. You know, each one is is slightly different, and you know, they're just a great bunch of characters, um, which I think is wonderful to to see. You know, that kind of the the the, the breadth of, of characters on on the screen. I think there's the, the, they're great. You know, they each have their individual quirks, and it, it's just lovely to have that kind of uh, depiction of of a group of friends. You know, um, again harking back to that feeling about school and how it how it you know I'd never seen a school like mine on screen before and that's what it felt like and still feels like it's like it's a normal high school a normal group of kids you know you don't often get that on on screen really yeah yeah I mean that was one of the things that I noted was that it is it it was very much sort of my type of school as well the the school that I attended sort of those sort of prefab buildings you know those those sort of post-war sort of architecture and um, maybe not so much sort of some of the relaxed teaching you know, <laughs> that you sort of see in this film. Those sort of routines and those systems in place are still very clear, you know, when I was at school. But yeah, I think the the, the group of the casting, like you say, is really it's, it's really well done. I mean, obviously you'll know more about it, but were, were these kids when they were cast or were they actors? Right, so there's a really great um, background to this, um, which, yeah, it's a great opportunity to kind of talk about it. So most of the kids in the film were from the Glasgow Youth Theatre um, and Bill Forsyth spent some time with the Glasgow Youth Theatre in the late 70s. He wanted to develop this. He'd, he'd been developing the script for Gregory's Girl for a really long time. He was a documentary filmmaker by background. That was, you know, he worked for a documentary filmmaker um, as an assistant and kind of worked in, in that space and formed his own kind of documentary film company as well, I think. But he wanted to make this feature film and he, he he developed the idea for Gregory's Girl over quite a long period of time. He spent time at the Glasgow Youth Theatre and identified, you know, kind of how they worked and the kind of kids he wanted to kind of depict on screen. He developed the project to a, to a point, you know, he had the script ready um, and he, he applied to the BFI for funding for the project. Um, and I think it was, I think I noted it down somewhere how much um, he asked for. So he um, he asked for £29,000, I think it was, in funding, but was turned down because the idea was too commercial. That was the reason I was given for him um, being turned down. So obviously, you know, it, the, the dreams of making this film with the kids from the Glasgow Youth Theatre were kind of, you know, put on hold. By going <laughs> By being rejected the first time around, he had the opportunity to make that sinking feeling um, hone his craft a little bit, come back and make Gregory's girl with more money, which That's I think is just proved them wrong. Didn't yeah, exactly, absolutely. <laughs> and of course, it was you know um, a great success. You know, it's a modest. Any British film is a modest success. Let's face it. You know, um, but it was obviously popular. It, was, it won um, a BAFTA for best screenplay. It was obviously very well received from from critics and audiences. It went to America, um, but they decided to dub. Um, the soundtrack because they, they couldn't understand the the accents um, which again was something that happened with that sinking feeling as well they they, they dubbed that sinking feeling because they, they they thought you know no one will understand these kids which just it's just awful I've not seen 
the Gregory's Girl dubbed version. That's just over there and let's, let's just ignore it and pretend it doesn't exist. You know, it was released in America and obviously led to, to bigger things. His next film was Local Hero, which is bigger budget and, you know, obviously ha- had more of a kind of star cast and that kind of thing. So, you know, the the transition from that sinking feeling to Gregory's Girl through to Local Hero, um, Gregory's Girl was such a, a, a key part of his career. You know, it, it led to the opportunity to make Local Hero and kind of go on from there. So as a film, you know, it, it, it did so much for him as a director, but equally for the cast as well. So obviously it was largely a cast of unknowns and there were there are some uh, some of the adults in it you know some of the teachers particularly the headmaster mm. are well-known actors um and character actors in in scotland you know there would have been familiar faces to to people who were watching but obviously the 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 young cast you know they were all um either from glasgow youth theater or all similar places including john gordon sinclair who uh, was i think an apprentice electrician at the time um, and obviously gave that up and this led to you know a, an acting career for him and he went on to do bigger and better things uh, Claire Grogan who plays Susan my favourite character in the whole film I wanted to be Susan she was just fantastic um, she was a waitress in a restaurant that uh, Bill Forsyth used to go to and he spotted her and, and um, asked her you know do you want to be in a film which any woman who would, would be like you think it's well dodgy um, obviously she <laughs> <You> <laughs> would um, she he went away she's like yeah whatever he went away again came back when he got the funding and said do you want to be in a film um, and she agreed and of course then she went on to be you know a pop star with altered images and you know she do great things and it's really interesting to kind of see the cast from this film appear you know they appeared a lot of them in that sinking feeling and obviously in this and then some of them appear in some of his later work as well in, in small roles so it's great to see that but they they're just the performances are just amazing I, I think they're just so natural um, and it's so well acted I think it's just great I, th- I agree with you there and I think it is a marker of a good film to do that and it creates a sort of a bigger immersion for the audiences as, as well like I mean obviously I work a lot with um, the films of Shea Meadows and Andrea Arnold and she typically they both typically use unprofessional actors you know Shea Meadows used Thomas Turgus for This is England mm-hmm. and Andrea Arnold used Katie Jarvis for Fish Tank and they were both. Oh, I mean, Katie Jarvis was was picked at a bus stop because she was having an argument with a boyfriend. Yeah, you know what I mean. That, that's that's incredible. And because you you're willing to sacrifice maybe a little bit of professionalism, you get an added layer of realism. And I think that's why Gregory's Girl works so well is because these kids are kids with you know habits of kids. You know the the things that make them tick, and the you know they're a bit immature and they're a bit awkward and they don't look like your polished american teens from mm-hmm. films they look like teens you know with bad haircuts and you know weird bodies and you know that type of thing and that's that's what makes this film particularly you know a great film yeah absolutely yeah no the, i think yeah that the casting is, is bang on um and utilizes their yeah their natural skills you know and um, experiences really well it's depiction we, we we talked at the beginning about the depiction of, of of girls you know of teenage girls in it and that you were a little bit apprehensive given that first initial scene about what what the film might um project in terms of those female roles um for me i think 
you know, as you said, it kind of builds in and turns it around. And, you know, I think for me, they have equal screen time for one thing, which you often don't get in in other films of this type, you know, a a teenage film or a a film set in high school. Um, And they're, they're funny and relatable, you know, and given some great lines and you know they're just naturally um absolutely part of the action and i think that's unusual in in some ways um but uh, you know it, it works so well on in this film that that really kind of gives you um a great feeling about the, the way that you know that that you know young women were portrayed in such a positive way in this film yeah i think it's massively ahead of its time and one of the things that i was sort of thinking about because at the start, like you say, I was I was apprehensive, and I thought, all right, okay, so it's a bit problematic. There's a, you know, it's a bit of voyeurism in there, and you know, I was just a bit, like you say, apprehensive. It's going to be one of those films that are, the lads are chasing the girls, and it very much is that. But I love the power dynamic, and it suddenly shifts, and I think it shifts with the introduction of obviously Dorothy. You know, she's taking mm-hmm. on a more traditional masculine spot you know and, and she's derided for that a little bit but then with the introduction of madeline as well his, mm. his sister and she's obviously telling him what to do and everything and I, I like that it's a strong you know you find in this film that the, the the younger children have got their heads more screwed on than the older ones and that's a that's a great sort of you know comment on what teenagers are actually like but yeah the whole power shift in you know, he's expecting a date with Dorothy, but then he goes on these series of dates with these other girls before he gets to Susan, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, and I just think it's fantastic and how it's the actual running the show rather than the guys. And I think if you look at your modern teen dramas, I think it's definitely, it sets the stage for your American Pies, your in-betweeners, your whatever else, whatever else has come from, you know, any modern incarnation of a, teen film is that's set in a high school I think it owes its debts to you know to Gregory's Girl because I think it definitely Gregory's Girl lays the foundations for those representations and the narratives that come out of you know these types of contexts yeah absolutely I, I would agree with that it's depiction of young love as well we kind of talked about and first dates and you know the the girls run rings around Gregory um trying to set him up with Dorothy in you know or so he thinks um but they actually they're plotting to to set him up with Susan um who obviously is is a far better match and the girls know this they they, they know that she she's a far better match for him and you know Dorothy's a good sport you know the other girls are kind of you know lined up to kind of take part in this this date down at the country park the the date itself, I love the depiction of that. There's this feeling of of Cumbernauld itself, you know, and kind of wandering around town. Um, Cumbernauld is a, is is a, as much of a star of the film, I think, as the, as the cast. You know, it, it's depicted so beautifully as a new, you know, it's a new town and it was relatively new at that stage. I think it was only like fifteen, sixteen years old, I think, when this was made mm-hmm. um, as a place. Um, and it's obviously, you know, it's it's known for its its uh, architecture and its kind of style. Um, but it's shown so beautifully, um, and the the date reminds me of those lovely, long, warm summer evenings that seemed to go on forever when you were a teenager, when you were out with your friends, or you were out, you know, with a boy or whatever. And they just yeah. it, it reminded me of of typical teenage dates. You know, there was no kind of pretense of trying to make it all ro- you know, big big romance and kind of the, you know, they they meet and they go for a walk to the chip shop, and you know, with the first girl, and then there's the, the change of 
girl and you know they're off to the country park um and walking around the park and kind of that thing of that's what dating was like i don't know what it was like for you at school but that's kind of what dating was like you know you went for a walk or you kind of you know you went to the chip shop and it kind of it, it's it's lovely in its depiction of the simplicity of it when you're that age yeah no i couldn't, I couldn't agree more i mean yeah that, that's that's probably what it was like for me growing up as well and i'll say you know obviously we didn't have the local transport wasn't that great and i lived in a small i lived you know in a small east yorkshire town or village so it was just but we still went to sort of like the chip shop and stuff and you'd walk around the town you'd go to the parks there was three you know wow <laughs> you'd go to whichever one was you know less populated at that time but yeah it does i think it does capture that and there's there's that you know less is more and i think the less that Forsyth does in this film with these characters the more the audience get from it and it's so like you say it's so beautiful and it resonates so well it just feels like i don't know you're invincible doesn't it that's what it feels yeah, like and you could absolutely. do anything and you could be anyone and that's what you get from that scene when he's in the park with susan yeah you know, he's doing the lying down dancing oh, gosh, yeah. Think, yeah anyone could be anyone you know yeah at that point they, they don't have the you know the anxieties of adulthood they don't have the immaturity of you know of childhood they're just in the perfect spot where they're not bound by any responsibility you know the, the biggest mm. thing on gregory's mind is whether or not he's going to kiss susan you know yeah. that that's so profound yeah absolutely and yeah it just captures it so perfectly that feeling doesn't it you know, we, we've talked about the story and how that unfolds. And actually, the story's pretty simple, you know, in that sense, you know, and, and the length of the film's perfect because it's 90 minutes, which is the right length for a film, for any film. Um, yeah. But within that, you know, story that's kind of evolving as Gregory, you know, tries to talk to Dorothy and he learns his Italian with his Bella Bella and all that kind of thing. And, you know, it's it's, it's all about trying to get him to the point of going on that date. Um, he gets his white jacket that he borrows from his mate. He was left school. So, like, you know, he's really cool because he's, he's not in school anymore. And he's a window cleaner. Um, you know, all those kind of little quirks of the story kind of unfold. But equally important, I think, on, on the way this film is... Um, is, is made is the little incidentals and the importance of those to the plot so you have your little incidental characters and you have random little quirky things that happen like the penguin that's always appearing you know in and out you kind of going in and out of classrooms and being told he's going the wrong way you've got the development of the photos of dorothy in the to- you know in the toilets being sold in the toilets and things by the younger kids um you've got the teachers the way the teachers are, are portrayed you know they're quite hilarious really particularly the sports teacher you know the um the football coach um the headmaster and his baked goods and like you know pretending <laughs> not to want you know that actually he's not having a conversation with this you know uh, steve which is gregory's best friend um about cakes and stuff you know you know ordering like you know new because because steve's obsessed with baking and you know that's just a thing you know that's his little quirk and those the two boys who I wanted to try to get girlfriends all the time because if Gregory can get one, why can't they? And they're just wonderful. Um, and obviously tried to get to Caracas at the end of the film, tried to hitchhike to Caracas because apparently there's more girls and however many more women there are than the men in Caracas, so they're trying to get there. It's just lovely the little things that keep coming up, and that's something that features in Bill Forsyth's work quite a lot. Actually, those little quirky incidentals that kind of just add to the charm and the the feeling of of whimsy, you know, to it. Um, the, to me, there's a little bit of 
a slight bit of magical realism to his films in, in the sense of the way things can shift slightly or the use of kind of, you know, the camera angles when they're in the park lying down by the tree and the, the camera shifts. Um, there's some yeah. really lovely little touches which are so um, so much a part of Gregory's Girl but equally actually feature in his work quite a lot. Yeah, I absolutely loved that um, when he was saying, you know, we're clinging on to the earth and if, you know, if we don't, you know, the only thing that's keeping us there is this, is this gravity. And like I say, the tilt of the camera, mm-hmm. it was perfect. And it just, I don't know, like you say, it's just this magical realism that I think it helps capture this, you know, and enforce the romanticism around this film. And like you say, those little incidentals, the brilliant and those scenes, you know, the the scene when he's like running, um, is it from the bus or from the, out of the car or something? Yeah. And the teachers are watching him run across the field. Yeah. It's just those le- those those little scenes that just capture things so perfectly and the sort of the immaturity of youth almost. Yeah. And, uh, they're not really too bothered about. And you do have those bizarre conversations growing up about like, you know, Caracas. You do. He's like, oh, there's more women than men there. All oh, right. Yeah, we ought to go. You know, those <laughs> yeah. types of those types of silly conversations and like you say i think it's just all part of his you know this collage of making this isn't it it's, it's just yeah. a snapshot in time yeah you know gregory obviously existed before this and he'll exist after it but you're just seeing a snapshot in his life it's so nice to just get that day in the life of a typical you know glaswegian schoolboy, and it works so well yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we, we, we see the end of the day, we see them having a little kiss in the um, in the doorway after Susan has um, walked Gregory's home, not the other way around. And we, that's it. You know, the film kind of finishes. The end of the day is the end of the film. And I love that. I love the fact that, like you say, it's just this snapshot, a moment in time. And it's perfect. We, we don't know what happens afterwards. We don't know what happens to them as as characters you know do they stay together do they not and it doesn't matter because you know it's just perfect for me the way that it just takes that the end of the day is as the end of the film and it's just yeah I really like that I like the fact that it's ambiguous and we, we've no idea what happens next and we don't need to this is the thing we absolutely don't need to know what happens next because we've had that moment between them um, and that that lovely perfect first date and I think ending it that way I think was was a brave move but actually you know the best the best way to do it yeah I couldn't agree more and I mean that maybe the pitfall with sort of like the British tradition of filmmaking is to maybe capitalize on the external factors which might affect Gregory so like his family or you know you know economic downfall um you know class things like that but Forsyth doesn't pry to yeah I mean it's hinted at but mm. it, it doesn't it doesn't pry too much into that and it's it's to do with it and it's it, Gregory doesn't necessarily come of age in this film as well which is fantastic mm. he is he's coming of age you know in in some films that you see they have that significant you know formative moment where they immediately come of age you know you can see them before this event and you can see them after and they're changed you don't get that in this he's in a state of transformation he's in this state of flux he's still coming of age and it's perfect to see because like you say it's we don't know what he was like after we don't know he's you know we don't know what he was like before we don't know what he's like after we just see this version of Gregory and it's perfect and you know you know and you know he will come of age there might be hardship there might not be but what we see is perfect and it ties up the film nicely you know even though there's not closure in the sense that we want to see how well their relationship fares 
we get that closure because he's ultimately got what he wanted at the start, which is a girlfriend. And it's nice to see. Absolutely, yeah. It's it, it is yeah perfect ending. It's interesting, obviously, you talk about the fact we don't know what happens to to Gregory in this film, and um, obviously for for many reasons. And we've I've, I've talked previously about not wanting to see Gregory's two girls, which is his Bill Forsyth's final film that he's made. Um, he made in ninety nine, which um, depicts Gregory as a as an adult in his mid thirties. Um, and I won't dwell on it, you know that that film particularly on on this podcast because obviously I'll be covering it on another one. But that feeling of uh, revisiting Gregory was something I didn't want to do for many, many years. And, you know, I'd seen most of his films, uh, Bill Forsyth's films, you know, um, some are quite hard to get hold of, you know, some of his later work, but I've managed to watch them. I really resisted and resisted watching Gregory's Two Girls because I didn't want to know what happened to Gregory, actually. I was was apprehensive about revisiting him, as you know, in a different way, in a different context, because to me, he exists within that perfect story. And I didn't want to go there, you know. I, I really waited a really long time before I saw it. In fact, I only watched it in order to do a podcast on it, you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of, for me, Gregory and Susan, you know, exist in that moment. Um, and I it's mean, perfect. I absolutely see where you're coming from with that because this film obviously means so much to you and you saw it at hmm. a period in your life where, again, you were Gregory, you were Susan, you know, you were these characters. So to watch him grow older it it kind of makes you look into yourself doesn't it as well as you know how was the character change how have I changed you know those types of feelings and it's it's keeping your childhood keeping that memory intact without it being I don't want to say spoiled because I don't want to be too I don't want to deride his work too much I mean I've not seen it and you know I don't want to spend like say too much time actually saving it for another podcast but yeah, it, you don't want to ruin the feeling that you had with the first one if the next if things don't go well for Gregory is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's um yeah I, I want to keep the memory intact. Um, <laughs> I, I will say that actually they are two very different films, and actually it wasn't the bad experience I thought it was going to be in that sense of kind of revisiting the character. Um, so it yeah I, I was apprehensive about doing it, but actually it wasn't um the experience of watching it actually wasn't too bad. Revisiting, you know, years later, you, you, you reminisce and you think, oh, it's wonderful. And you, you enjoy those aspects of it, but equally you see it with different eyes as well. And it's been really interesting to watch it again um, after a little while and kind of see if I could see anything different within it. Um, and I yeah. did, you know, there's a lot to, to gain from it, seeing it as, as an adult and seeing it again. Um, it's, it's been interesting. I think it's a, I think it's a typically British symptom, that isn't it? Of nostalgia and I think it's it's something that comes up more and more as you know as you get older you, you know you're not obviously not as wise to it when you're younger but the moment you leave high school and you start getting all these extra responsibilities you do start looking back and a lot of the work that I deal with uh, Shea Meadows in particular his work is built on nostalgia mm-hmm. you know it's it's built on that you know and the more you look for it you can see other people building work on nostalgia and it's so Maybe it's symptomatic of the society that we live in, you know, and like I say, you wanting to reclaim your youth and things and your journey back to the past because it's not actually that great. But, and, you know, maybe that's, that's, you know, one of the 
draws of Gregory's girl. Like you say, people on Twitter, you know, they're, they're seeing it, they're, they're remembering when they saw it. And a lot of people are like that with Kez as well, mm, you know, yeah. they hold Kez in such high regard because it's something that they saw as a child. And many people who saw that, they were, they were Billy. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just, I think it's a very British symptom, a very British sort of tradition to look back and reminisce. And maybe that was almost the folly of Forsyth with um, Gregory's Two Girls. You know, it was his mm. point of being nostalgic for a film that, like you say, in many ways, maybe kick-started his career. Um, and maybe it was, a, you know, a part of re gaining some sense of control in that and mm. you know making Gregory's two girls were was his his therapy almost to have that nostalgic um journey but you know mm. it's not worked out as maybe as he meant it to I don't know that was just me <laughs> no it's, it's interesting you say that yeah because obviously I guess you not not knowing his career in between those two films he went to America and made a couple of films over there and it didn't go well and yeah, that return returning to a familiar character, returning to Scotland and making another film in Scotland, yeah. You know, um yeah, I think there's potentially something in that in that, you know, um wanting to kind of return to something comforting. Um and a, a character that, you know, and exploring that character again. So yeah, is it is interesting, you know. Um yeah. It, it's yeah, I, I, obviously I'd recommend you watching all of Forsyth's films, um, but yeah, it, it might be worth watching them more, you know, Gregory's Two Girls maybe later on to kind of capture that feeling of, you know, this is his most recent film. He, you know, he's, he keeps saying he will make another film and, I, you know, I really hope that he does. Um, it has been a really long time and I think there's a uniqueness in his film style you know there's a charm and a whimsy to it that is missing from a lot of British cinema obviously you 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 know you study um, a so, cinema from a social realist point of view you know a lot of the time there's there's elements of that you know coming into the fore in, in British cinema quite a lot you know British cinema often is known for, for that style of filmmaking Bill Forsyth's films um, sit outside of that sphere. Um, There is a realism to them, you know, some, you know, particularly that sinking feeling set in, you know, central Glasgow and the kids there, but, and also, you know, the the small town feeling of Gregory's girl, you know, there are elements that kind of come through, but the, it's not your typical British um, film that's expected, particularly from the nineties onwards. And I think maybe potentially his career suffered from that, you know, him not wanting to compromise that, that kind of style of filmmaking. Yeah, because I guess that's what it was in the 90s, sort of like the cool Britannia, that's yeah. the, the brick grit came through with that, didn't it? Obviously, you got Full Monty, East is East, uh, Brastoff, mm. Billy Elliot. You had all these big sort of Brit, commercial brick grit. It's like commercial realism, that's what I, I would term it. Yeah, it's a great term, um, yeah. Um, because there, there were, there were, you know, there were, they were pushed out to America and, you know, Billy Elliot's massive. But yeah, yeah I'd, I'd say they're definitely commercial real, commercially real. Um, but I think, if anything, what Gregory's Girl and I mean, like I said, I've not seen the rest of Forsyth's work, but from what you've said, I think, if anything, it demonstrates that, you know, the time that we're living in now, there's a need for it mm-hmm. because realism. Yeah, it's a brilliant, you know, British tradition. We've got a really cynical, bleak outlook on things and it, it plays well in our favour. But in actual fact, we need some films which aren't too absurd you know like you say like you're in between us for instance you know yeah. british sort of film um but we need something sort of just like you say with lots of whimsy and that's quite nice and gregory's girl i think would be a perfect film to come out now you know yeah. it's due it's due like it's 
revival, if anything. Mm. And, you know, off the back of that, Forsyth could do another film. Because I just think with everything that's going on in the world at the moment, it'd be nice to get some whimsy, some nice nostalgia, you know, back. Yeah. Rather than focusing on, you know, um, you know, we were on the Sorry We Missed You panel together, rather than focusing yes. on something like so hard hitting which is equally as relevant and and needs to be seen but at the same time you need something um you know to ease that that reality and i think forsyth there's a space for that that's what i'm trying to say no absolutely yeah i would absolutely agree with that any final thoughts on on this film and and you know kind of obviously you enjoyed it do you think you you, you're going to seek out more of forsyth's work as a result yeah, I think I'll, I'm definitely going to watch Local Hero. Um, I've been meaning to watch that for some time because um, you see the imagery with the red phone box quite often. You know, on on you know you you get your best British film lists, and it's come up countless times. Um, so I'd, I'm going to seek out that, and I'm going to watch Gregory's Girl again with a different sort of head on it. You know, mm-hmm. like cause I think you need different perspectives on things, um, and to take in more of it. But yeah, no, I think it was a or is a fantastic film. Um, and I think it's a lot of, like I say, it's a it's a precursor to a lot of those teen films that you see around the world. Like I was saying to my partner, there's something Bulerian, you know, it's very much like Ferris Bueller, I think at the start mm. of this film, um, Gregory, before he goes all awkward yeah. and stuff, you know, <laughs> he's, he's the center of his friendship group. He is, you know, people gravitate towards him. And like I say, I think, I think it is a precursor to all these, teen films that we now see and it deserves that recognition in that sense so yeah i think i think i did really enjoy it and i'm i'm, I'm gonna revisit it in the near future and i guess you'd recommend it for for someone maybe who wasn't familiar with bill forsyth's work to, to seek this one out first potentially yeah absolutely not only just like a, a marker of forsyth's work but a marker of british cinema you know like what is british cinema you know here are like five films and i think gregory's girl would definitely be on that yeah, I think it, it really captures things well. And so I think I would recommend it. You know, my partner, she I watched this really early on Sunday morning, um, <laughs> like really early. And uh, she came downstairs for a breakfast and she saw that I was watching it and she sat and watched it with me as well. And she really enjoyed it. So it was just, I think it's an accessible film. That's the thing. It's not so, it's not a hard film to get into because a lot of the films that I watch and academically and, you know, um, I'll watch a lot of art house films, and they are they can be quite challenging. You know, mm. they're not they're not made to a wide audience, and I think yeah, yes, they're academic. It's high art, as some you know, quote unquote high art. But what's the point in that if you if, if people can't resonate with it in you know or, or more widely? So I think it's mm. an accessible film, and you know, if if Forsyth's work is anything like this, it'll be really easy to watch his other films as well. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's a perfect note to to leave the conversation about Gregory's Girl on. Um, so thank you so much for for joining me and talking about the film. And I really appreciate you watching it. And um, I'm so pleased you enjoyed it. So obviously, you know, you, you're a, a PhD researcher, but you're also a podcaster yourself. Um, I'm, you know, where, where can we find your work? Where, where where can we find more about what what you're doing in terms of film and and kind of talking about film? So I run a podcast with my wife called The Mrs. at the Movies, and she uh, hates films, despises them. Um, I mean, you, you you sort of briefly mentioned it earlier on, you know, the perfect runtime for a film is an hour and a half, and anything beyond that, she struggles, she really does. So we've 
uh, it started out the podcast as me picking the most horrible excruciating films for her to watch and sort of her having to sit through them then we you know talk talk about her reaction but now we're going to into something a bit more structured so we're going down the imdb list so we've done the top 10 so far so we've done shawshank both the godfathers uh, schindler's list all the lord of the rings um for, there's there's some heavy stuff on there um but yeah so you can find that on apple podcasts spotify uh, Podbean. So you just type in the missus at the movies. That's it, really. Yeah, that, that's 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 where you can find us. And I'm I'm quite I'm regularly um, appearing on BBC Radio Sheffield now as well, doing film bits for them, usually on a Thursday and a Friday. So you might be able to hear catch me uh, on there as well. That's brilliant. I'm sure people will seek that out and potentially be on your wife's side. Actually, in in in, in that. <laughs> a lot of people are. A yeah, lot of people are. I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been great speaking to you. Thank you so much again, Lewis, for, for, for appearing on the podcast. And um, yeah, it's been great chatting. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.